Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When you go to the Word, it's got to be the heart that goes has to be saying, God, say something to me today. Speak to me. That has to be the genuine heart cry when you come to the Word. Lord, I just want to hear something. Speak to me something that will just be from you. I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. And I'm, that's another prayer. When you cry out, God's not going to let you down. When you say, God, I want to hear from you. He's like, yes, I want, I want to talk to you. I, want, I, I love time with you. The Bible says when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. As Christians, we know we're supposed to read God's word. But do we approach it with intention? Do you view the Bible as a living organism, breathing God's breath into your life? Or is it just a guidebook full of suggestions? Today, Pastor Bill explains that God is beckoning you to draw closer to Him through His Word. Use your time in the Bible to speak to God and let Him truly work through your life. If you want to experience closeness and beauty in your prayer life like never before, be intentional in the Word. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Judges chapter 3 for today's edition of The Transforming Word. You know who's in charge of our life? The Lord. The Lord is in charge. And we go up, we go to the Lord for everything above and beyond people. You know, I love the proverb that says the hearts of the king. Those are in, the people in authority over us. So the hearts of the kings are in his hands. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. God says, I'm sovereign over those that look like they're in charge of you. Nobody's in charge of you. I'm in charge of you. So when somebody shuts a door on me, I never be mad at nobody shut a door on me. You can't shut a door on me that God didn't let you shut. I don't have to, you know, nose behind somebody to get a door open. Right. God says, I open doors and no man shuts. And I shut doors and no man open. If the door opens, God opened it. I might thank you. You might be the hand on the knob to open it or shut it. But the Lord did it. And I will glorify him for you. Glorify God for shut doors just the same as open doors, because sometimes God says, I know you think you want that, but that's not what I want for you. And so I shut the door and you receive that from the Lord. He's in charge. He's sovereign. That would free us as people if we would realize that I'm just under God. I'm under the Lord. And so, yes, I have a boss. I respect them. I speak well to them. I obey. You know, I'm submissive and everything else. But I look to the Lord. I look right above them to the Lord. The Lord is my keeper. He keeps me. And so, again, here, 18 years before they are going to cry out to the Lord. And yeah, I just I look at it and again. I just I wonder what why did it take 18 years other than they just had settled in to what was happening? Verse 15 now, it says, but. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, again, they cried out, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, the, um, a left-handed man. Now, this is important here. Benjamin, uh, my son's name is Benjamin. The name Benjamin means son of my right hand. Um, the tribe of Benjamin, interestingly, had a, a whole branch of left-handed warriors. This would be one of them. Now, at this time and at this era, it was considered a curse to be left-handed. It wasn't like today. Today, if you got a little kid that's left-handed, they go to school and they have the lefty scissors. And the lefty, you know, they, they well, they're supposed to. You know, they, they're supposed to have things to help them out. I had, I had a teacher go, no, they don't, you know. Not in my school district, you know. But uh, they, got, they got things that help them along or whatever, you know. But in this era, um, you know, they didn't make a lefty sword or weapon or whatever. It was, a, it was considered a curse. You were a left-handed person in a right-handed world. Um, particularly if you're going to be a, a warrior or some man that fights. It was, a, it was a, a, a different thing. But just like today with boxing, right? 
Most boxers are, they train to fight with people whose power punches their right hand. But when you get a southpaw, usually they're at an advantage because most guys they fight are used to fighting right-handed fighters, people whose power come from the right hand. So when they switch it up and they're, the hand that's normally the jab is a power punch, is jacking them up. They're like, why are they hitting me so hard with that hand? They, they got it's an adjustment they're not ready for. That's what's going to end up happening here. And so I, I look at this guy, Ehud, who's going to, God's going to raise him up to be the deliverer. And I look at his life and think, wow, something that was maybe a difficult thing most of his life today, on this moment here, God's going to use what was perceived maybe as a weakness before this day to, to use him in a powerful way to deliver Israel from 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 Eglon, from this this wicked king, and so um, it said, God raised the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, a, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon of of king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger; it was double-edged and a cubit in length. He fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Now, when we read that right there, Ehud made himself a dagger. When you read double-edged, what do y'all all think about? The word of God. That's what I think about. So you should just write this down in your notes because that's, that's, that's what we're going to talk about in just a moment. Um, write down Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Um, it says the, the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. God says the word of God is, is, is more than, is sharper than any two-edged sword. And the two-edged sword, it wasn't like the long sword that guys fought with and chopped heads off with. It was a, more of a dagger. It was something you could hold with one hand, but both sides could do damage. Um, and so Ehud had one. Um, being a left-handed man, he fastened it on his right thigh. So it was under his clothes on his right thigh. Here's the deal. When you would go through the secret service and you go through the check, most guys are right-handed. They have stuff on their left eye. And so when you get patted down, they check you right here. Okay, you're good. You're going in. So it was going to provide him. People, some people believe that maybe that's why he was able to get through. He's going to see the king. You get patted down before you go see the king. The king has got people that protect him before you get to go before him. He's taking tribute uh, to the king. That's how come he gets to get in so close. He has it fashioned on his right thigh, verse 17. So he brought tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. He says, now Eglon was a very fat man. Um, Eglon is the only person in Bible that it says that about, that he was a very fat man. Now, here was another thing. In, um, in the rabbinical writings, which you find in some of the manners and customs, I, you can't teach these things as scripture, but they're just, they give interesting insight from people that were alive at that time that have written things. They said that this man's waist measured 20 feet. Um, and I was like, you know, so I was like, is that even possible? Um, that's, you know, I, I don't even know if it's possible, but that's, that's what the, so at least the rabbis were liars. Uh, that's what it said. But, you know, he was a very big man. So it wasn't, he wasn't chubby. He was a very, very fat man. That's what it says. So, and we'll see. It says, um, and why that's significant to the text is, is that would represent, it just, He's going to represent the flesh. Uh, that's what Eglon represents. Um, just a fleshy, uh, the flesh, the, 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 a fleshy king, a, a wicked person over them um, and that was having dom that was dominating them and over their lives. And so it says in verse 18, and when he had made, I'm sorry, when he had finished presenting the tribute, 
He sent away the people who carried the tribute, but he himself turned back from the stone images that were that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him uh, were um, went out from him. So what Ehud does is he takes this gift and that probably put the king at ease. Like, oh, okay, he's cool. He brought me a gift. He brought me tribute. He's paying me honor, paying homage to me as, as he should because I'm the king. And so after he gave it to him, they were getting ready to go. He said, hey, I got a secret message for you, king, but it's between us. And the king said, oh, oh more, more for me. <laughs> you know, and so he sent them out. You know, he thought he was a chicken dinner or something. You know, he put everybody out and he sent all the people away. And so now it would leave Ehud. It would give him this one on one time alone uh, with the king here. And I'm, I'm just explaining this because this is how he got this one on one time. He's I got a secret message from me. He does have a secret message for him. Uh, it's not a message that he wants, you know. And so he, he said, but keep silent. Everybody that attended to him was put out from him. Verse 20. And so Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Now, uh, most believe that this cool um, private chamber is actually his uh, his toilet room. Um, so this isn't a, it's not just a they didn't have AC back then. This is a really hot space. So most it's most likely it's a place that's lower to the ground where it, where, the, where it would be shaded in the evening time or whatever. In either case, it's, it's like a restroom. It's a private area. It's, not, it's somewhere where no one else would go in with you. His attendants wouldn't come into that space. They would wait outside. Um, they wouldn't enter into that. It was a private area. And that's why um, it, it's more than likely was where he would have had his bathroom or whatever. So he was um, he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Verse 21, then Ehud reached with his left hand. He took the dagger from his right thigh and he thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade so that he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, belly but the entrails came out. So this is very graphic. It's, so, it's like, you know, for you guys that have weak tummies, this is, this is Bible study. So basically, he takes his double-edged dagger and he put it in his fat belly and it went all like, when it says the handle, that means that the whole, it's not like he stuck it in and then the blade went in and cut him. It's like it went all the way in and it says the fat closed over the whole thing and he just left it in there. And so um, as he did it, the old King James says that the, you know, the sword went in and the dirt came out. The entrails, um, for, I think we all know what that is. The, what is it? The chitlins came out. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the entrails, that's all your, that's, that's, that's all your internal yucky stuff, you know. It all, you know, came out of him or whatever. And here, it's just a little scripture picture, right? I, I had listened to John Corson on this. He probably said it 30 times. He said, you know, the word goes in and the dirt comes out, you know, and the, the application he was making there, which I liked, I thought it was great, was for us personally that, you know, when, when the word of God comes into us, you know, same thing, it cleanses, the dirt goes out. As this double-edged sword went into this wicked pagan king, all the, the, the old King James said the dirt, his entrails, all of, all of the, the yuckiest part of him came out. And as that happened to that king, the king, this king that represents the flesh, so too in our lives, like the, the, the psalmist says, how shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to my word? Um, it's something that just being in the word and a regular, not just taking it in and hearing it. You got to be in the word the right way. You can't be in the word for 
uh, for checklist purposes. You can't read the word so you can say, I read that. You know, you got to read the word to say, when you go to the word, it's got to be the heart that goes has to be saying, God, say something to me today. Speak to me. That has to be the genuine heart cry when you come to the word. Lord, I just want to hear something. Speak to me something that will just be from you. I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. And I'm, that's another prayer. When you cry out, God's not going to let you down. When you say, God, I want to hear from you. He's like, yes, I want, I want to talk to you. I want, I want I love time with you. The Bible says when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. You know, God's not running away when you draw near. So when you come to the word, that's one of the ways that we draw near. We draw near in prayer and the word. And God said, when you do that, I promise I'll meet you. I promise. I, I, wanted, I wanted this more than you wanted. And so, um, again, the, the, the you know, he puts the, the double edged sword in. All his intros come out. Verse 23. Then Ehud went out through the porch and he shut the doors of the upper room behind him and he locked them. Now, again, no, under normal circumstances, he would get caught. You know, you just went into the king's chamber and, you know, if it was a normal room, uh, they would come in and see the king was laying there dead and they would run and catch him real quick. But here go the special circumstances the Lord uses to protect this, this deliverer. It says then uh, verse 24, when he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look into their surprise. The doors of the upper room were locked. So that that toilet room, that private room, it was locked. And so it's a private thing. If somebody, you know, come and you're in the toilet room there, oh, we'll wait, we'll come back. You know, we're going to, you know, it's, it's an embarrassing thing. You don't bother somebody there, typically. It says, so they said he is probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. That, that's them saying he's probably going potty in the restroom. Verse 25, so they waited till they were embarrassed and still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. And they're down there saying, I know even he don't take this long. You know, it's been a long time. We need to go. We need to go see about him. You know, I used to tell my kids, you fall in, you know, so you're in there a long time. You OK? They're embarrassed even. They're like, man, we need to go see what's going on with him. And so it says, therefore, they took the key and they opened them. And there there was their master falling dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped Sariah. Now, a couple interesting things here. The area where Eglon was king at, and you know, they, it was the area where in Gilgal, when Israel had first crossed over, the Lord had them set up these memorial stones in Gilgal to remember what he had done. Now, because Israel's been so haphazard in their walking relationship, this king is in that area. And Ehud had to walk by this memorial of what God did to get to this king over here. Um, and it's just a, it's a, it, it, it shows us how they had just they didn't they didn't continue with God. God had been faithful to do his part, but they hadn't been obedient and faithful on on their end to to follow the Lord and to do the thing that God wanted them to do on theirs. And so now as he's heading out of this place, um, because they had waited so long, kind of given the king time to finish uh, his business. It gave Ehud time to, to escape and to get away. And the Lord used that to, you know, he did his business and now um, he got to escape. Verse 27. Then it, and it happened when he arrived that he when he got back home, that he blew a trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and all the children of Israel went down to him from the mountains and he led them. Then he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hands. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. 
And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all strong men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest for 80 years. First time the, the land had rest for 40 years, which is great. This time the land has rest for 80 years. And again, I read that and I think, man, that's a long time. That's, a, that's enough time for 80 years of lifetime. It's a long life for most people. So there was 80 years of rest and peace and back to doing it God's way. I question, I look at that and I think, man, what was it? I mean, they're doing it God's way. I'm assuming God was present. God was blessing. They were under peace and everything else. Like what was so bad about having rest for 80 years that they're ready to mess it up already? Maybe they forgot. Maybe all that time of victory, maybe all that time of rest has caused them to forget that you are a people at war. And so once again, I would challenge us that Sometimes the most difficult place to battle from is a place of victory, a place where it looks like everything's going great. I think I'm doing good. I'm on top of the world. I haven't messed up in so long. That can be the place where we fall the hardest from. Um, that can be the place where we begin to believe that somehow it's us. But we don't need the Lord. Uh, we're strong enough. Um, and so, uh, some, you know, it, it, it's, it seems that, 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 that that's what happens to them, that they get complacent at that place. So, um, so we've had two judges so far off the L who demonstrates to us the significance of the Holy Spirit upon our lives and his power. Uh, we've had Ehud who uh, Ehud teaches us that even though um, even something that could have been perceived as a weakness, being a left handed person in a right handed world at that time in history, that God is able to overcome even perceived weaknesses and use us for his glory will be yielded to him. God will take what seems to be, you know, it seems like that's a weakness. Um, we had uh, one of the men's advances. I, I had this video um, that showed the guys and there was an MMA. MMA is a mixed martial arts and it's, it's a brutal fight sport. You know, guys fight and all this stuff. So but there was a guy that was in MMA that he only had one arm. And in and, and mixed martial arts, I mean, you punch, you kick, you choke, you it's everything. So one arm is a, it's, it's like you shouldn't even be in there. Um, but there is I don't know how far the guy went, but I saw the one fight that he did win. And it was awesome. You know, he had a uh, he had brought to him. He was he was trying to inspire this kid that had the same deformity that he had. So this this kid had just a little nub right here and then one full arm. He had the exact same thing. So he brought this kid to his fight. And I'm looking like, man, this kid going to see you get whooped. This is not going to be encouraging to him at all. You know, he's going to be he's just he's going to be defeated or whatever. But this guy somehow I, he just wanted it more. Somehow he won. He won by choke. He wins the fight. So I'm like, I'm excited for him. I'm like, man, that's, you know, that's that's even more remarkable that you could win. And I feel sorry for the guy that he beat. You know, like you got beat by two one arm. You should just quit now. You need to go back to college, you know. Um, but, you know, it was it was, a, it was the, the victory was so great because he just didn't look like he was supposed to win. You know, he had a he had a weakness that said he really shouldn't win. And so God is able to overcome those kind of weaknesses. And maybe you have something that you perceive as a personal weakness and because of this, you can't. Because of this, you, you, you hold yourself back. You don't believe what, you know, even the things God may tell you, you're, nah, I really can't do that. Someone else should do that because I'm limited in this way. I would say that you should set that limitation aside, particularly if God is calling you to do something and rely on his spirit, um, rely on him. And so the weapon of choice for Eglon was the, the two-edged dagger and uh, just a reminder for us the importance of the word of God in our daily lives. Um, and, and again, not just that, 
we be in the word, but that the word would really be working through our lives, that we be men and women that are yielded to the word. We read it and we obey it and we're, we're impacted by it. We don't want to be just those that know a lot of Bible that hear. We, we know a lot of verses by heart. We can finish every verse you start by heart. Um, but we want to be those that lives are impacted by the word that we know. Amen. Last judge. We got three judges in this one chapter, only 12 in the whole book. And uh, but we got three of them in this one chapter. And it's only one verse attributed to this one. So it'll be real quick. Verse 31, it says, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox gold. And he delivered Israel. We don't know much about this Shamgar guy. Um, he's only mentioned here. We don't get any other information about his background or whatever. But this, what he does is significant. An ox gold was a, it was a stick with a poker on it that when you were trying to move the oxes, you would, you know, they would poke the oxes to make them move, to get them going if they were being stubborn. And it says this guy killed 600 men with one ox gold. And so that's all we know about Shamgar. You know, and uh, this is what I wrote down in my notes and I'm going to encourage you with, right? If I'm Shamgar, right, and I got 600 guys and all I got is an ox gold. I'm thinking this is not enough. Lord, I need a better weapon. Can I get a shotgun? Can I get a machine gun? Can I get can I get some bets? Can I get some can I get something better to fight with? But he went with what was in his hand, and that was enough with the Lord. He had what was in his hand. God what God let him have in his hand at that moment when it was needed was an ox go. That was gonna be enough for him that day. And so sometimes we want to wait until we have everything the way we'd like it to be. God, I'll, I'm gonna, I'll go and I'll do what you want me to do, but I'm waiting until I have all these different things. I don't, this is, no, this won't be enough. And we're not willing to move forward with what we have in our hand. I, I, to me, he's an example that you need, to, you, need to, you need to go with what's in your hand. A lot of people don't do a lot of things because they're thinking about it rationally. That Rationally, what he has in his hand, that's not enough to beat 600 people. But, but if the Lord is calling you to go, it's enough with 600 or 6,000. It's enough. And so... Some of the things that God calls, I think of everything God calls me to do. There's never enough for it. Bill, do that. That's not, we don't have enough yet. So God, can I wait till we have enough and then do No, no. Because then you won't have, they don't want to be faith. I want you to trust me. I want you to just go because I say go. That's scary. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. But it, you know what? It's always awesome after. It's always awesome after. Um, as we prepare, I prepare to celebrate this. Uh, just the Lord provides this place for us. Every step that we took, we took. And in what we didn't have enough. We've never had enough. We didn't have enough to start the process. We didn't have enough to finish the process. We didn't have, we haven't had enough yet, but we're here. You know, God's enough. We have never had enough, but God's always been enough. And he's causing me to see that I need to trust that he'll always be enough for everything all the time. And that I wouldn't look beyond that, that I wouldn't look to something else, but that I would just look to him. And so encourage you guys. There's something God's calling you to do and you feel like, I don't have enough. The key thing is if God's calling you to do it. I'm not saying run out and do something dumb. But if God's spoken to you, God's calling you, God's moving you to do something and you feel like, but I'm not enough yet. I'd say, go ahead. You, you, go, you go with what's in your hand. You do what Shamgar did. And I'm going to take what's in my hand and I'm going to go in the name of the Lord. He went in the name of the Lord with an ox gold and took out 600 Philistines. And now his name is written in scripture. It's one verse, but it's one powerful verse. Amen. And so we got... Othniel, that was the Holy Spirit upon his life at 91 years old, we believe. We have Ehud with the double-edged sword defeating the, the enemy who represents the flesh. And we have Shamgar that took what was in his hand. He delivered God's people. And so I pray that we would do all those things. I pray we'd be a people that are 
filled with the spirit of God, submitted and yielded, that we'd be a people that are in the word, being continually transformed by the word, and that we would also be a people that will take us in our hands and in faith and obedience, go be about God's business. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Judges. This was an interesting season for the people of Israel, being led by various judges as they delivered the people from a variety of enemies. You see, real faith lived out through these judges. There was much war and opposition going on, but God was faithful in delivering his people. Do you notice God's deliverance in your everyday life? He's aware of all that's going on, and He cares about bringing you out of those times of oppression. There's much more to learn from the book of Judges, and we hope you come back to hear what God speaks to you personally. If you missed any messages from this series, we encourage you to visit calvaryinglewood.org to hear more in Judges. There's also a free mobile app where you can access all of our messages too. Just go to calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, you'll notice links to Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Feel free to explore our website and find other valuable information. We offer a daily Bible reading plan that you can look into as well. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. If you have any other questions, Go ahead and call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. Well, that's about all we have for today. We're so glad you took the time to listen to Pastor Bill today in the book of Judges. We'll catch you again as we look into a transforming word. Transforming Word.